AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA, and thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Thank you for letting us be part of your day. Coming up, we will be talking with Donnell Rehagen. He is the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Want to get his thoughts on the delay in the RVO announcements and also uh, some things going on with the biodiesel industry. Want to update you on. And we're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance. Get his market outlook as we head into this holiday season and look ahead to next year as well. And then uh, at the end of the program, uh, some of my thoughts on uh, this Thanksgiving season and what I'm thankful for and want to share with you coming up on today's program. Let's start it off with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Todd, thanks for joining us and happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, good to be here. Same to you. Got a few decisions here by the Biden administration that uh, many in agriculture are not real thankful for. Let's start with the the delay in announcing the RVO levels under the RFS, uh, again, kicking that can down the road. And uh, it, 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 the timing of this is striking. I mean, here, here we are, yeah. uh, we see the Biden administration not only asking other countries for more oil, but now right. tapping the strategic reserve, which, you know, I thought was there just in case we were running out or we're, sh- we're short on, uh, on fuel right. and oil not because the price is high at the pump for a lot of different reasons. And so, and then what they pull out is not really enough to make much of a dent or difference anyway. But, you know, if you want to tap into something, the biofuels industry is saying, we have fuel for you. Tap into us. We can do it. Yeah, Mike, you know, it really is a mystery. I think that when you look at what the Biden administration has done on climate and the things that they're pushing uh, pushing for cleaner transportation fuels, it just boggles the mind at this point with ethanol, biodiesel, their record in terms of reducing greenhouse gas emissions uh, in transportation. I, it just doesn't make sense. I wish I had answers. Um, on the practical side of things, I think that uh, what we're seeing with EPA now, pushing back RFS deadlines that were already uh, well beyond, we're already well beyond the deadlines. I think it may have a lot to do with the reset of the RFS that's coming up that's due in 2023. Perhaps uh, the agency's at a point where it's just decided it's just going to push this back, push it back, and then come out with a with a reset. And so I, I don't honestly have the answers, but uh, the biggest question to me is, uh, you know, if ethanol and biodiesel has have such a good track record when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions, and we have an administration that's uh, hotly pursuing uh, GHG reductions. Why are we not expanding the use of, of biofuels? That's that's an unbelievable question. I can't believe we're asking. And has led some in Congress to introduce legislation called Protect the Blend. We'll be talking more about that yeah. in the in the days to come. Meanwhile, ag groups are very concerned about this decision on waters of the U.S. to go back to the pre. 2015 rule we've got to go way back for this and uh a lot of uncertainty here at a time where we thought we were starting to get some certainty on waters of the u.s you go back to this and that's going to lead to more challenges more lawsuits and more uncertainty it absolutely will mike i mean we're going back to essentially 1986 definitions uh, under the clean water act and uh, you know since the 1986 we saw supreme court cases that dealt with a lot of these questions um, one of the things that came out of one of those when the Rapanos case was the significant nexus test. Um, we're essentially with this pre-2015 rule, we're going back to that significant nexus standard, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's one of the main reasons that agriculture fought the 2015 rule, because the 2015 rule basically codified the whole six, uh, significant nexus issue. Um, you know, we saw unbelievable claims at that time, uh, even from the state of Iowa, where they, where we saw maps of Iowa showing the entire state, every, every inch of ground in the entire state would be uh, subject to Clean Water Act jurisdiction. And that's where we're headed back to, at least in the interim. Um, I think the, the EPA at this point, they're, signal, they're signaling where they're going on this. Significant nexus 
will be a part of, of the next final rule that uh, that the agency puts out sometime next year. Well, I'll tell you who the winners will be, lawyers, because it's going to spend a Absolutely. lot of time in court. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. And the 2015 rule that we, we saw litigated for years, I mean, it was it was all over the country in different jurisdictions and different people involved. And so this will be no different. This This is going to be a very similar situation. Meanwhile, we wait and see how the Senate handles the Build Back Better plan. Um, American Farm Bureau has come out against it, not supporting it. Other farm groups are pointing to the conservation parts of it and things in there that they like. So kind of interesting, the reaction by agriculture to this bill. Yeah, it really is. You're, you're right. I think conservation and even uh, biofuels to some degree might might have some, some spot in this. Um, you know, it, it really, at this point, I don't understand, uh, you know, why agriculture really hasn't seemed to have a major seat at the table on this whole thing. Um, you know, I think what we'll see in the Senate uh, is more than likely going to be a rubber stamp, although we're seeing some some segments of the Senate, you know, you know trying to really fight this thing. Uh, but certainly, I think at the end of the day, if, if it comes through, you know, conservation could be a big winner. And I guess that would be the silver lining will be interesting to see if this passes and the moves on these conservation programs and this whole ag climate uh, push, how does this impact the writing of the next farm bill? Right. Absolutely. You know, we've, we've seen battles over conservation dollars uh, in so many farm bill discussions. Um, and you're right. I think changing the numbers and, and boosting funding under this, this uh, build back better act, um, you know, it, it will. It's going to change the whole discussion. And, you know, when we talk about the Farm Bill, it's such a regional discussion. You know, every part of the country has a say and, and different interest in the Farm Bill. And, and I think that uh, when, you, when you pump more conservation dollars into it, uh, I would suspect that that's going to maybe intensify that debate. Well, Todd, always thankful to have you on with us uh, each week talking about the issues. Want to let people know that your DTN Ag Summit is coming up in Chicago. It'll be the 5th, 6th, and 7th. I'll be broadcasting from there Monday the 6th and Tuesday the 7th. That's always a good get-together. It'll be good to be back in person this year. Yeah, you're right. I mean, last year we had strictly virtual, and I think we have that option this year, too, for people who don't want to mm-hmm. make it out to Chicago. But you're right. It's uh Kind of a nice thing, you know. We're seeing more in-person uh, events, and this one is is an important one to to DTN and to you know everybody we we uh, serve. Yeah, getting back together again—that's one of the things we have to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You, it's nothing like there's nothing like being in person and, and having human interaction. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, I got zoomed out a long time ago. I tell you what, it's yeah. good to see people again face to face. Well, have a great yep. Thanksgiving, Todd, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, you too, Mike. Thank you. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. So a lot going on with the biofuels industry and a lot of the questions and frustrations uh, with the Biden administration, their policies on the, on the RFS and other issues. We're going to talk about those next with the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, Donnell Rehagen, joins us. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. 
About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel costs. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, Donnell Rehagen, who joins us now. Donnell, thank you and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. And we should point out that uh, you're actually, your group's going through a name change, right? We are. You know, we've been the National Biodiesel Board since 1994. And, um, you know, we've seen, uh, especially recently, a, a significant transformation in our industry as we see fuels like renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel coming online. And so our board made the decision this past summer uh, to work through the process to change our name. And so in January at our conference will be a more formal launch, but uh, we will become the Clean Fuels Alliance America. America. Okay, I'll have to get used to that. That's going to take me a while to remember that, so I'm going to write that down. And uh, you mentioned your members. You had some folks uh, in Washington, D.C., what, last week uh, for some uh, visits on Capitol Hill. We did. Uh, the uh, first time in two years, you know, with COVID, we are we have typically been very regular visitors to D.C., our membership has, but uh, we were there last week, and that was the first time since November of 2019. But So we uh, kind of reintroduced ourselves to uh, members of Congress and Hill staffers, had a chance to do some Hill visits, virtual, of course, but uh, uh, one of those days, and uh, a small reception on the Hill as well. So kind of good to get back in the swing of things. Uh, uh, what goes on in D.C. is very critical to our industry. Donnell Rehagen is with us, CEO of... Still the National Biodiesel Board, soon to be the Clean Fuels Alliance of America. Donnell, what were your thoughts when EPA announced they're going to delay further their announcement of the RBO levels under the RFS? Well, Mike, you you know our frustrations with the RFS. I mean, it's been it was built to uh, give our industry some certainty, 
uh, to give us an outlook ahead so that we knew what our production numbers needed to be. And so once again, uh, you know, we're extremely disappointed that the EPA has decided to extend. And this is the extension for oil refiners to comply. So it's actually allowing oil refiners to take more time uh, to uh, figure out how to comply, and, and the EPA has given them that time. And so creating additional uncertainty on top of uncertainty, because as you know, uh, the RFS volumes for 2021 and 2022 have not even been set yet. So this is another delay by the EPA that really causes uh, a lot of stress on our industry. And we have legislation being introduced now called Defend the Blend uh, to try to avoid this from happening in the future. Well, you know, we'd certainly be open to talk about anything that could, uh, again, return that certainty that the RFS was designed to give our industry, you know, to return that because uh, those are the signals. The RFS is the main signal for our industry and not just our industry, but again, the the obligated parties look for those signals to know what they need to be doing as well. So this this uncertainty, these uh, delays in RFS volumes, these extensions of compliance dates just create havoc all the way across the board. So we really encourage uh, the EPA to let's get this figured out. Our industry is ready to go. And uh, I think this is an administration that really wants to see more clean fuels in the marketplace. So I mentioned this earlier. It is so frustrating. Our, this administration asking other countries for more oil, uh, tapping the strategic oil, the petroleum reserve, uh, when you've got biofuels right here ready to help to, to not only could help lower the price, increase availability, but also help with these climate goals that the uh, the administration keeps talking about. How frustrating is it for you that they seem to look everywhere but right in front of them, the biofuel industry that's right here ready to help? Well, that's the, exactly the message we've been trying to get them to uh, to understand is that we are here now. You know, the uh, tagline for our organization is better, cleaner now. Those are all of the things I think that the Biden administration is looking for as the country begins this transformation of its energy sector. And so that we that is exactly the message we want them to get. Why are we delaying these opportunities to get these cleaner fuels into the marketplace? Our producers have the fuel and we can be introducing that fuel in greater volumes into the marketplace tomorrow. It seems like the demand is growing in spite of the uh, lack of support from the administration. Uh, it makes you wonder how good it could be if the, if the administration would embrace biofuels. Yeah, it sure does, Mike. And I think we, we are benefiting right now. And this frustration at the federal level is being you know felt at the state level. And so we as an industry have seen a lot more effort and interest at the policy and regulatory level in states across the country in looking at what can they do to introduce uh, you know, lower carbon energy, whether it's home heating fuels or whether it's on-road or off-road transportation fuels, what can they do in their own state as they, I think, are equally as frustrated that the federal government kind of starts and stops in these efforts in the past. When you look to 2022, and soon you'll be giving your address at your uh, uh, annual meeting first of next year, because I remember in the past you being very optimistic and aggressive and in your uh, forecasting for the coming year for the biodiesel industry. Uh, what will your tone be as you start 2022? Mike, I think the tone is going to be very much the same. I mean, although we have these outside forces that are kind of holding us back a little bit, Overall, the outlook is great. We are, again, beginning to see lots of sectors of energy in this country looking to us uh, for biodiesel, renewable diesel, to try to help them lower their carbon footprint now. We're looking at fleets uh, and markets like, uh, like rail and marine are coming to us now and, and wanting to enter into a dialogue about availability of biodiesel, renewable diesel for those markets. Those are markets we haven't had a huge impact on in the past. And so... You look at state policy, you look at corporate policy, you know, as companies are trying to reduce their carbon footprint, they're pushing some of those requirements down on their supply chain. And I think that's some of the reason that we're seeing some of this increased interest as well. So, so my, I'm still going to be extremely positive and extremely optimistic. Uh, we are at a point in time, I think, where we've always wanted to be, where we are being recognized for the carbon uh, 
reductions that we can bring to the marketplace with a fuel that's created domestically from domestic feedstocks grown on farms all across the world, all across the country. Kind of part of the irony here that others are recognizing the value of biofuels, even if the administration won't acknowledge them. That, that's exactly right. So we, we, we do have that, and I think we'll get where we need to be with this administration. Uh, I think they've got some other things on their plate that uh, they're dealing with, but when we, as soon as we can get that opportunity to sit down with them, we're going to make sure they know a little bit more about biodiesel and renewable diesel. So. so as you look at the industry uh, still coming off the, the impact of COVID, where does it stand as far as production? We're hearing about new facilities being built. Where are we right now? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, growth coming online even by the end of this calendar year, but for sure next year as well. Now, most of that growth in production is going to be in renewable diesel. There's some large plant expansions and large new plants uh, that are coming online over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, but our biodiesel sector continues to deliver. Right now, it's about 70% of our entire industry is biodiesel. So, you know, we're looking forward to uh, to growing our entire industry with biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation fuel. And especially in the Northeast, going into another heating season, bioheat, uh, that's a big market for you as well. It sure is, and uh, they've taken some steps. I mentioned earlier the, the efforts at the state level to try to drive these, uh, drive these products into the marketplace. Uh, we've been fortunate this last year, Connecticut, New York, and Rhode Island, all three passed legislation uh, to mandate growing volumes of biodiesel into their heating oil product as, they, as that industry moves to try to decarbonize its, uh, its product. And so uh, those are three of the largest heating oil consuming states. So I think there will be some momentum for surrounding states to look at doing the same thing. And that industry, as I said, is, is looking to totally transform itself to ultimately being a B100 user uh, for bio as a replacement for heating oil. Why well, I would think as your members gather for your meeting early next year, there'll be some frustrations, but also uh, some optimism that you talked about. I think so, Mike. And, you know, speaking of our conference next year, um, you know, I wanted to, to give you a little bit of a scoop on our conference and you and your listeners as well. And so one of the things that you know we do every year is we recognize some of the largest contributors to our industry, some of the most significant contributions that have been made to our industry. And so in 2022, on the stage in Las Vegas, uh, I hope to welcome to the stage to receive our Impact Award. I hope to introduce on the stage Mike Adams. Now, you know Mike Adams, Adams on Agriculture. Mike, you've been such a great partner in the support of our industry, and so we are excited to, uh, to bestow that award upon you, and we hope that you will be able to join us in Las Vegas to receive that award and the reception and thanks of our entire industry. Donnell, I am, I am honored. Thank you so very, very much. I really appreciate it. Always an honor to work with you and your industry. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. Mike, you too. Thank you. Wow surprise and an honor. Thank you, Donnell. Stay with us. This is AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Markets are closed tomorrow for the Thanksgiving holiday. Friday, they will open, but with shortened hours. This morning, row crops are trading higher. Wheat futures are mixed. U.S. winter wheat, good to excellent condition ratings, were lower 2% by the USDA this week. The U.S. plains have been dry this week, and another mostly dry seven-day forecast is ahead. The western U.S. wheat regions have the poorest rating, however. On the Board of Trade, December corn trading five and three quarters of a cent higher at 586 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract trading six cents higher at 594. For soybeans, the January contract up a nickel at 1278. The March contract up four at 1288 and a fraction of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down two and three quarters at 853 and a fraction of a cent. Kansas City wheat December up three and three quarters at 882 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December up four and three quarters at 1043. The March contract up five and three quarters at 10.51 and a fraction of a cent. The uptrend in cattle futures have picked up steam as traders see more strength to come. Feedlots continue to command higher prices for their cattle and are getting it. Being a holiday week, cash traded Tuesday $2 higher than last week at $136 with some dress sales at $4 higher at $214. More business is expected to be done today with some hopes that cash could even trade higher yet. December live cattle trading 85 cents higher at 130 The February contract up 60 at 140.02. In feeder cattle, the January contract up 42 at 164.80. March up 42 at 166.10. In lean hogs, the December contract trading 50 cents higher at 74.65. February trading 60 cents higher at 83.87. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 125 points. The NASDAQ composite down 104. The S&P 500 down 17. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kurt. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Thanks to Donnell Rehagen, chairman of, uh, or rather the uh, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, soon to be the Clean Fuels Alliance of America. And thank, I thank him again for the great honor of the announcement. I, I did not see that one coming, that they are going to uh, present me with a, an award at their conference in Las Vegas in January. I guess I'm going to Vegas in January. What do you know? But uh, wow, that's an honor. It, it is I have spent a lot of my uh, broadcast career um, promoting biofuels, ethanol and biodiesel, because I believe very strongly in them, and I believe in uh, the value of them, not only for uh, our environment, of course, but for our rural communities, our farmers, and providing markets. It, it just has always made sense to me to use what we grow as, as fuel, as well as for food, and um, uh, so I've spent a lot of time promoting these because I believe in them so strongly, and um, I will be honored to receive uh, that award from them. Thank them very, very much. All right, let's uh, move now to the markets. Let's talk it over with Steve Nicholson, uh, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Mike, and your family, and congratulations on the award. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, you know, when you're wrapping up a career, you look back at a, a lot of people and uh, think about a lot of uh, great uh, friendships and relationships. And uh, I think about the time that uh, you and I have, have actually worked together. And uh, th- those are good memories. 
those are great memories that I, I wanted to also today just, you know, send my best to you and Patty. And, and as you, as you, uh, I don't think you'll ride into the sunset, but certainly will be a different, different tone to your life and a different rhythm. So I, I wish you all the best, uh, in your next chapter. So it, it is, it's been a great friendship. Um, you know, we started back in the old, in the old Agritalk Dome days and, and, uh, you know, good friendships there and still good friendships today. And still, it's amazing thinking about back to those days that we're still all in contact, that whole group of us. So it, it's it's been fun. And I you've had a great career and, yeah, great friendships for sure. Appreciate that. Thank you. And I think some of the things we were talking about then for the markets, we're still talking about today, right? <laughs> Trying to figure some things out. And so as we go into the holidays here uh, at the end of the year, what are your thoughts on where we're at with the markets? I mean, the wheat market's been making a lot of news lately. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It, it's, you know, history repeats itself. And what we talk about today uh, is just a different chapter in, in the markets. But yeah, I, I think we have to think about the wheat market and it's, it is a remarkable market, and there's been a lot of questions, a lot of interest in the wheat market. I was talking to a colleague here just the other day, and we kind of thought, boy, people ought to be. If people didn't plant a lot of wheat this year, we we kind of have to scratch our heads because you could you could get your inputs locked in, you had a chance to lock in good prices for margins, and why wouldn't you do that? So, but I do think the wheat market, you know, you always have to. You know, I hate to be the economist on the other hand, and I, I think there's no question that the wheat market is is the strong, you know, brother or sister of this, and it and it's helping to support the other markets. But one thing we have to be very conscious of, and this is, you know, when you look at these prices that we're seeing on the board, and, and you also see in the country for wheat, and the protein premiums are huge right now, just unbelievable, is that these are opportunities to lock in this year's crop and potentially next year, you know, the new new crop if you have it. Um, because we know very easily that the wheat market could turn on a dime. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, someone asked me this week, is that the wheat market has at least probably a good six months here before it would turn when you'd start to get that northern hemisphere winter crop off. And so I think we have to think about that from a calendar perspective and geographically. Um, so I think it's just the caution of wheat because it can, as an old trader told me, Somebody in the world is harvesting wheat every single day, and that crop can, you know, that market can turn on a dime as soon as someone gets a good crop. But, you know, I think that's the other thing to think about, and I, I think we need to start remembering, you know, wheat is in some ways, as I say, I think helping, which is a pretty unusual situation, you know, propping up the markets, but it goes back to the whole issue of acreage. You know, wheat wants acres, corn wants acres, the oilseed context certainly wants acres for biofuels. And then, oh, you've got cotton that's over a buck, <laughs> is over mm-hmm. a buck. You've got rice who wants acres. You have sorghum wants acres. And all those markets are fighting for those acres. And so prices, prices the way they transmit that, you know, that desire. So it is going to be a, a tough, a good market, I think, you know, as we go into the spring looking at, looking for acres. Well, we talked about that this spring, and it didn't quite play yeah. out the way we thought it might. But you think it will this spring? Well, I think it's it's going to a little bit because people getting geared, you know got geared up this year, um, and and the fact is that there's a lot more incentive now, you know, to do it because prices are so high. Now, of course, the other side of that is of course the inputs to follow that along, and that may be the bit of the damper on acres that we haven't really considered yet. But when we look at when we look at our baseline models and look at both particularly look at the demand side and look at stocks and you look out over two or three, even five years, the demand remains very robust. Biofuels being a big part of that. Uh, but just the fact that the world needs this. And, and I think the other pieces, when you think about the weather and, and whether, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't really care how you identify what's climate change or, or, you know, this volatile weather or whatever you want to say, that volatile weather is all over the world. And, you know, we would have to get everybody hitting on all eight cylinders across the globe, I think, to, to move this market down, some, you know, really give it a, a big shove downward. Uh, but the demand is so robust, and because the demand is robust and that you've had a couple years of, you know, kind of tough production, you're just not building stocks. And so any sort of hiccup on the production side or any other hiccup on the demand side Somebody needs something, whether it's wheat or whether it's corn or whether it's soybeans or whether it's sorghum, whatever, 
you know, that changes the whole complex, you know, that remains, keeps the complex pretty well uh, supported. But the challenge that we see in the states is that, yeah, inputs may have a little bit of a damper on acres, but the fact that every crop wants acres is going to provide a lot of incentive for folks to try to put more acres in and, and generate more revenue. We're talking with Steve Nicholson, analyst with uh, uh, Robo Agrofinance. All right, so Steve, take us through your outlook for corn, bean, and wheat prices here as we go through winter. Yeah, so let's talk about corn because corn ends up usually being the leader. I, you know, the the tough thing here is that I don't think there's a lot of downside from where we are and, and the corn market. I think the corn market's locked itself into kind of a, a five to six dollar futures, you know, trading range. You know, we keep moving up. Um, and I think what you do as a, as a seller, uh, and we'll pick on the buyers as well, and I don't mean it that way, but you, you play that range. If you're a seller and you look at what's corn doing right now, you think, oh, we're in the upper end of that range. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to move some corn. And vice versa, if you're a buyer, you, need to, if you get down below that, we'll say, 5, 35, 25 area, I need to be a buyer on the corn side. And I think those will hold through the winter. Um, now, the only, the only caveat would be, if South America would not have issues. And I don't think we can say that right now, even though they got off to a good start. Soybeans, the same sort of thing. You know, you look at the soybean market, it's also kind of carved out this kind of 12, 13, 13, 50 range. Um, and so you look at that, if you're at the top end, of the, the upper half of that range or the upper quarter tile of that range, it's an opportunity to sell. Uh, wheat, I think it's, it's just to sell all the way around. And I think wheat will be, well supported here, particularly the fact is if you look at white, HRS, and Durham wheat are in such short supply, both here and around the globe, that that will help keep the other wheats, you know, pretty well, um, pretty well supported. So I'm optimistic, and I have been for quite a while, and, you know, this summer kind of tested that optimism a little bit as we kind of drifted lower. But the fact is, if you think about where we, we've talked about this before, Mike, you think about back to August 2020, and boy, it looked gloom and doom forever. And boy, if things change around, and I think these are opportunities to to get some margin locked in, understand what your costs are. I mean, that's always the first thing we always talk about, and that's tough this year. But think about that, manage that, and then figure out where your margin, and can you lock in those margins and get it done. So not knowing what China's going to do, that's always the wild card, but yep. do we figure... Yep. Uh, they're going to buy enough to support those prices you just talked about. And then maybe depending on if they buy a little more or a little less than that moves the market, you know, up or down a little bit accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think that's a really fair question. When you think about if China would back off a little bit, I think then you widen those ranges out instead of, you know, $5 bottom on corn, maybe it's 450 or something in that range. Um, Same thing with beans. Maybe you get down to that 11 to 11.50 area versus, you know, a 12 on, on that. But I, I do think that China will continue to be buyers. Um, they've certainly slowed a little bit, and I'm going to I'm going to say that, you know, not having looked at numbers in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but the fact is, they still need to sell, and we're we've actually talked quite a bit internally about China. Um, a lot of discussion about you know the fact that the president and Xi Jinping had a meeting last week. We know that this is going to be a tough relationship. It's going to it's not going to be without its bumps. Um, but I think the fact is that China has to feed 1.4 billion people every year. That isn't going to go away, and the rest of the world the same way. And I, I think that you know one of the challenges will be how do we make this affordable? You know, I think that is almost another issue that we have to think about globally. If with the fact that prices have gone up globally for commodities for food, you know that also tempers demand a little bit, and that's a little bit of a concern for us going forward. Is do we see demand pull back? And it's not like people are eating less, but they're just not stocking much. They're not buying anything more than they have to. And so that could temper this a little bit because of, of what we're seeing on the food inflation side. But, it, you know, I think it's still a good market. I think it's a market we have to pay attention to. opportunities there. All right. Thanks, as always, Steve, uh, for the analysis and forecasting. And we will uh, talk to you again soon. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Great. Same to you, Mike. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Some personal thoughts on this Thanksgiving next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So as we kick off this holiday season with uh, our Thanksgiving celebrations, and I think it's important that we really do celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, I know we're in a hurry to a lot of times move right past Thanksgiving, get the the shopping or whatever it may be and on into Christmas. And that's important, but uh, we need to, it's important too to really stop and, and be thankful. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving this year, there are of course many things in our lives and in our country that we aren't really that thankful for. Uh, we know many are dealing with loss of loved ones. There are social and political divisions economic pressures, just to name a few. You know, the Bible tells us in everything, give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for everything, but in everything we are reminded that even in tough times, we should be thankful for God still loves us and cares for us and is always with us. That's good times and bad. And we need to remember that. So as we celebrate Thanksgiving, first I want to say thank you to our farmers and ranchers and farm workers and those throughout the supply chain. We talk a lot about these disruptions in the supply chain. We have learned firsthand this year how important that supply chain is. And that's made up of a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And uh, we thank all involved in providing us with the food that we enjoy in this country and the, the, the food that uh, goes all around the world to feed people all around the world. So we're mindful of that and very thankful for those in our food production uh, industry, and we thank you, thank you all, farmers, ranchers, and everyone involved. You know, too often we talk about giving thanks and being thankful. We just kind of say the words, but we don't always really stop to appreciate our blessings. And I think this year, I know at our house, we are, are reminded of that because of something that happened this year. Earlier this year, my wife was very ill. And although she's still not completely recovered, she's made a lot of progress and doing well. And just having her with us this Thanksgiving is a very special blessing for us, especially as I think of those who have lost loved ones this past year. Family and friends are such wonderful blessings that we too often take for granted. So as you gather with those family and friends this Thanksgiving, be sure to really, really appreciate and take in the moment and be thankful for the, the preciousness uh, of life and uh, having them with you as we remember those that aren't with us this year. All right, other things to talk about. As I approach retirement in a few weeks, I'm especially thankful for a wonderful career. Growing up I, early on, I knew I wanted to be on the radio, but I just thought of being a DJ or, or a sports announcer. I didn't even know there were such things as farm broadcasters. Well, I got into radio, and I was a DJ and a sports announcer, and I enjoyed those, but I found myself looking for more, and that opportunity came when the radio station I was working at started increasing their farm programming, and having grown up working on a farm, I had some idea what they were talking about, and the two kind of melted together. I had no idea the doors that agriculture would be opening for me, and looking back, it's hard to believe that a boy from a small rural community could travel the world, meet presidents, meet the Pope, meet a communist dictator even, and make friends all across the country. God had a plan for me that I couldn't even imagine, and I'm, I'm extremely thankful that I've had this wonderful opportunity. I've been blessed to work with so many talented people over the years who have helped me so much. And as I have traveled this country, I've met so many wonderful people and have made many treasured friendships. As I wrap up my career, I'm extremely thankful to have these people in my life. Since I announced my pending retirement, I have heard from many of these friends from all across the country. And I thank you all for your many kind well wishes. I've also heard from many other people that I have never met, but have listened to me over the years on the radio. And I am reminded that I am blessed with friends that I don't even know. I'm reminded again what a special privilege it has been 
to be on the radio all these years and to be invited into people's homes and into vehicles and into workplaces. That is a very special relationship for which I am very honored and thankful for. I, uh, I look back over these past some 48 years and, and I think of the things I've been able to do and the places I've been able to go and the people I've been able to meet. And it's just, and when I look back on it, it's hard for me to even to imagine that it could have all happened the way it did, but it's been a wonderful ride and I'm so thankful, but the thing I'm going to miss the most will be the people seeing the people and talking with the people I do on a regular basis. It's those friendships and those relationships that are most important. So as we all gather for our, our Thanksgiving meals and, and celebrations uh, this week, I encourage all of you to uh, look around and see those people and then keep in mind those others that uh, you're, are your kind of your extended family and to let them know how much they mean to you and how much you appreciate all that they do for you. I think this Thanksgiving for me will have special meaning on a personal note, on a professional note, as just want to say thank you to all of you who have um, been such an important part of my life for all these years throughout my career. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, staying in touch with many of you moving forward. Um, I'll still be involved, uh, filling in once in a while here on AOA and doing some other projects and things that uh, hopefully I'll be seeing some of you in the future as well. But again, I just wish all of you a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. And thank you again for all your support and friendship over the years. We'll have a holiday program for you tomorrow on Thanksgiving. If you have a chance in your busy holiday activities to tune us in, we'll go back and review some of our recent interviews on trade, on waters of the U.S., uh, some more market outlook and things like that for you. And then on Friday, Mike Pearson will have a special show for you as well. Mike will be, of course, the new host of AOA, and he'll be joining you on Friday's show. But that's going to do it for today. Again, from all of us at AOA, thank you for joining us. Have a very happy and safe holiday, and I'll be back with you again on Monday. Thanks again for joining us right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite.